they get to know you, you get to know them, you understand what their needs are, you can deliver value to them. And ultimately, when people have a sense of what you do and whom you serve, and you've been delivering value to them, and they know, like, and trust you, they're much more likely to hire you or to make a referral. You're listening to the Legal Mastermind Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Klein and Chase Williams, the go-to podcast for learning from the experts in the legal community about effective ways to grow and manage your law firm. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Legal Mastermind Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Klein, and today we'll be speaking with Leitz Holtzman of The Lawyer's Edge. Elise is an experienced attorney, certified professional coach, and consultant. Our main topic of discussion today will be developing your law firm from a business development standpoint. Those of you that are frequent listeners know that Ryan and myself love marketing, SEO, paid, everything digital really. And uh, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting topic for us today because we really aren't experts in business development. And so I know Elise is going to share some of her expertise when it comes down to business development. Welcome to the podcast, Elise. Thanks for having me. Starting off, can you share a little bit more about your background? Sure. So I am a former lawyer, or I guess I'm still a lawyer, but I don't practice law. Um, I practiced in the area of commercial real estate transactions for two enormous New York City law firms. And the I loved it, absolutely loved it. The hours became a little bit untenable, especially because I'm married to an attorney who was also working at a big firm. And then we wound up having a baby. So back then, you know, there were no coaches and I didn't find a lot of female mentors who were in a similar situation. So I wound up turning away from the practice of law because I wasn't really sure how to go about it. I had even tried working part-time, which in New York City was 40 hours a week to get paid 80% of your salary. Uh, So that was a little crazy. And of course, it was like 70 hours a week. Ultimately, I found out about professional coaching. I didn't really know it existed. And when I learned that something like this existed, business coaching, I got really excited about it because I felt like it would combine everything I love and everything I'm good at. And so I wound up doing a full year certification program about 12 years ago in coaching, became a coach and launched my business, The Lawyer's Edge. I, I don't think I was really sure exactly what I was doing with it. I knew I wanted to help lawyers and that lawyers could use a little help because no one teaches us anything about the business of running law firms um, when we're in law school. Uh, And over time, I've been able to turn it into a business that I I love getting out of bed for every day and that um, I'm proud of. So what I do in the business now is I basically help lawyers and law firms become more successful in terms of bringing more revenue into the firm and running their firms like a true business. And the way I do that is by helping law firms develop their people into great business developers as well as great leaders. It's great to hear you have a passion for what you do. I'm also surprised you don't want to work 70 hours a week. (laughs) That's that's a real shame. I I know that today's focus is definitely looking at business development. And later on, we'll talk about more specifics of that. But I think it's important for our listeners to really understand the difference between marketing and business development, because I feel like it's easy to just think, well, it's developing my business. How is is marketing not a part of that? So is there a way that you can kind of establish the difference for our listeners so we can move forward from there? Sure. The way I look at it, and I think a a lot of people in my industry and our industry look at it, is that 
they go hand in hand, marketing and business development. And, and so what's the difference? Marketing, the way I think of it, is one to many. So you're marketing, you're one person or one law firm, and you're marketing to many people. How can you do that? So you can do that through digital marketing, marketing the things that you guys, Ryan and Chase, do. And so you can be, that could be your website. Um, you could be giving webinars. You could be writing articles. You could be posting on social media so that a lot of people are, are seeing you. They understand what it is you do and who it is you serve. And they see that you're visible, you know, in the legal space, in the business space. Business development is really more one-on-one. -on -one. And so this is where you are developing relationships, preferably mutually beneficial relationships with people so that they get to know you, you get to know them, you understand what their needs are, you can deliver value to them. And ultimately, when people have a sense of what you do and whom you serve, and you've been delivering value to them, and they know, like, and trust you, they're much more likely to hire you or to make a referral for you. And you guys know as marketers, right? Everybody, they always say people do business with those they know, like, and trust. And know, like, and trust doesn't necessarily come as easily through digital marketing. It certainly helps. And there are people who can feel like they know you, but developing one-on-one -on -one relationships is, is critical. So I think making sure that you understand, it, it, it's not necessarily going to change how you do things to understand the difference, but I do think it's important to know that they really work hand in hand. So for example, you can say, you know, I've got a great website, um, I post on LinkedIn and, you know, the firm is listed on Avo or one of these other sites. And so, you know, we've done what we need to do. Like the, the clients should start coming in the door right now. Depending on your practice area, they may or may not. Or you could say, well, you know, I have some really nice relationships with people. I've been getting referrals from the same people for the last few years. They really like me. I'm pretty happy with how things are right now. You know, that's going to continue. Neither of those positions is really sustainable. I don't think it's worthwhile to rely just on the digital marketing or just on the one-to-many marketing. Uh, because again, people typically hire individuals or people that they trust, not necessarily law firms. They don't hire you because of the name of your firm most of the time. But at the same time, I think it's short-sighted to say, well, I just know some cool people and they know me and like me. Um, you know, they may retire, they may slow down, they may decide they like somebody else better. Um, it is important for you to be invisible. You know, it's like I have this sort of nerdy joke about, you know, if an expert falls over in the forest and nobody knows about it, right? <laughs> Are you really an expert? And, and so that's why I think that the combination of the one-to-many and the one-to-one, -one, the marketing and the business development are critical for a firm. So for those that are listening, they might be shocked to think right now, oh man, I've been missing out on, on business development. Yeah, that's so not unusual actually. Um, I think that I think a lot of people miss out on business development because nobody ever bothered teaching it to us, right? So, you know, like all the listener, all your listeners, I went to law school um, and nobody talked about this stuff in law school. I like to say they gave us two things. You know, they gave us a foundation in the law. So we took torts and constitutional law and contracts and all that good stuff. And then they taught us how to quote unquote, think like a lawyer. So you can never think like a normal person again. Right. And then they kind of shove you out the door and say, congratulations, you're a lawyer, you know, fly, be free, be successful. They didn't, they didn't teach us anything about networking, marketing, business development, uh, leadership, running a law firm, starting a law firm, hiring, firing, even client service. And I mean, strangely enough, they didn't even teach us how to run a, a case or a transaction. You're just supposed to figure that out kind of, you know, in using the old model, which is learning at somebody's knee, right? Apprenticing yourself to somebody and learning at their knee. So the challenge is you get to a law firm and the law firm also doesn't necessarily teach you how to do this. And it's understandable because a law firm is not in the business 
of teaching lawyers how to engage in business development and become leaders, right? Their core business, of course, is serving their clients. And so it's not unusual for me to talk to people who have been practicing law for 30 years and they really don't understand how business development works. They're frustrated. They don't understand why the business isn't coming in because they're doing good work. And so, you know, one of my soapbox issues is, you know, really being able to say to everybody, look, this is something that properly should be embedded into the culture of every law firm from the very beginning. It's okay if you don't know how to do it, right? So there, you know, there are people like me who specialize in helping people how uh, learn how to do business development in a way that makes sense for them. You know, there's not a one size fits all approach to it, but I would say don't you know, don't stick your head in the sand or hide under the covers thinking that just because I do good work, the clients are going to show up, right? It's like that movie, that old movie, Field of Dreams, if I build it, they will come. Unfortunately, far too many lawyers have found out that it doesn't work that way. And it's interesting you mentioned that this flows all the way down to the culture. So that would also transpire within the hiring with your employees. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's huge. I think that, that creating a business development culture is, is critical and it does go hand in hand with the other ways in, you, in which you develop a law firm culture. If you, if you think you don't have a business development culture, I would encourage you to think again because cultures don't just happen because you consciously decide to create one, right? In the absence of a conscious decision to create a particular kind of culture, one will just show up and fill the vacuum. And so you may not be doing much about business development at your firm, or you may be doing it and doing it in a way that actually, unfortunately, kind of repels the people who are working for you and encourages them not to do it. So you have a business development culture. It's really more a question of what is your business development culture? Is it a positive one? Is it one that encourages people to learn and to grow and to experiment and try new things, to collaborate with other people in the firm? Or is it one that kind of creates a culture of, you know, sink or swim on your own or a culture of, you know, like a superstar culture where you assume that business developers are born, not made. And so there are only a couple of people who are the golden children in this firm and they're the ones who are going to be able to figure it out. So I, I think that it's important to take a look at the messages that the leadership of your firm is sending to others in the firm, whether it's people who are in senior, senior leadership or management or first-year associates, right? What kind of message are they getting? And while first-year associates are not typically in a position to bring in business, there are still things that they can be learning from the very beginning. Um, a lot of firms take the position that, well, you know, we don't want our associates to be developing business. We want them to just be doing really good legal work and teaching them and, and learning how to be good lawyers. The challenge with that is then they get to, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th year. And sometimes they say, well, hey, this place is great. I've, I've really committed myself to you guys. I'd really like to become a partner. And sometimes you hear the leader say, well, that's great. You know, you're terrific, but where's your business? I'm sorry, what? Like, what do you mean, where's my business? That, that's not something you've encouraged. It's not something you've supported. It's not something you've even bothered mentioning. And so there are firms, many firms, unfortunately, that are suddenly expecting their lawyers to be skilled business developers almost overnight, which is unfair from a personal perspective, but also just doesn't make any sense from a business perspective. And yeah, Jason, and I've actually heard that several times in some previous podcasts and people we've had on that, yeah, they just expect this, this book of business or them to come up with their own marketing strategy and, and own 
business plan essentially for the on behalf of the law firm to acquire business and it seems like there's a lot that has to go into that to make that happen so you know going to where you're saying about marketing there's so many different ways you can approach it you mentioned you know webinars and social and website and seo and all this of course there's the same approaches for business development there's plenty there and i know that you're a big proponent of uh investing in the people on your team and then investing in yourself in some instances so i I guess starting there why do you focus there you know to like so heavily compared to some other approaches that law firms have? The reason that I think it's so important to focus on, well, so are you asking me about um, focusing on growing your people, kind of making sure? Yeah, yeah. because you definitely mentioned, you know, growth and then, you know, developing people to become leaders, even though they may not be leaders to start, you know, some people need development, they need the guidance and sometimes it takes time and resources. So have you seen that it's paid off in your Absolutely. So uh, just a, a couple of thoughts on this, and then I can, I can give you an example that I think will help illustrate the point. So, you know, one of the things that organizations like to say, and law firms, is, uh, law firms are no different, is that our people are our greatest asset. It's almost become a cliche. And, you know, some companies are putting their money where their mouths are and some aren't. And so if you look at your people and you say, this is, this is our greatest asset, would you let your asset go to waste? Would you let your, you know, if you had a, some physical asset, you know, your computer system or whatever it is that you have in your office, would you not repair it? Would you not update it and upgrade it? Would you not keep it clean and, you know, and tuned up? And so what happens is lawyers are somehow expected to have emerged from law school in some ways fully formed. Like you went to law school, you're now going to learn at my knee, you're going to take some CLE because you're required to, but you know, that's it. I mean, you're graduating from law. If you go straight through, you're graduating from law school at age 25 and 26. Obviously, other people graduate at different stages. But I think that it really is true that your people are your biggest asset. And there's a huge cost to having a revolving door. I think that it's clear that among millennials and those younger than than them, there is more turnover. Um, Some people say that's because millennials aren't loyal. I don't think that's true at all. I think millennials are, for the most part, incredibly hardworking um, and can be very loyal. But where is the law firm investing in them, right? It's a two-way street. You're asking people to invest their time and energy and sweat equity in you. And yes, you're paying them as well you should. Uh, But if you want to retain your talent, partly because they're, you know, they're great people and partly because there's a tremendous economic cost to firing and rehiring and retraining and getting people up to speed, you've got to invest in your people. If you want your law firm to be kind of a growing, breathing entity that can keep doing better and better over time, you can't just let it stagnate. And so I believe that it's critical to educate your people on things other than technical legal skills. And that also includes not just educating them. And, you know, I do a lot of training with people, but also following up with support, right? Whether that's coaching or, you know, individual coaching, group coaching, um, getting them involved in certain initiatives and giving them the opportunities to get in front of clients, to get in front of prospects so that they learn how to do this over time. So you're, you're investing in them over time and that sort of investment pays off. Now, if you view it as a cost, right? If it's like, oh gosh, we're spending all this money, we're not going to get anything out of it then you shouldn't do it, right? Why would we just take on a cost for no reason? I believe strongly that this is a tremendous investment. And so I'll just give you a quick example. Um, There is a litigation boutique that I've been working with for a couple of years now. 
and there are about 30 people. They are excellent at what they do. Uh, a few guys came out of big law and started this firm, very sophisticated practice. And they were the kind of guys that just had tons of contacts and they seemed to just be able to make it rain. It was almost like a, a little natural for them, um, which is actually not a great example for me because you know I like to say that most people aren't naturals at it. They were. And so what they wound up doing was they started hiring and growing the firm and they hired for pedigree. So they hired people that were absolutely brilliant, great at legal work, came out of some of the nation's top law schools, but they did not hire them for business development acumen and they did not ever expect them to develop business. What happened was the senior guys started slowing down and they started thinking about retiring. And so their books of business started to shrink and some of their contacts that had hired them were also slowing them, you know, they were also slowing down and, and nearing retirement. Um, so the guys that were sort of the, the heirs apparent to the management of the firm freaked out and said, well, we've got business. Like we're, we're pretty good business developers, a couple of us, but we can't sustain this firm that has now grown to, you know, 30 lawyers with a lot of business. At first, what they did was they just tried to say to people, okay, you've got to develop business. And the folks in the firm, they're terrific. They're, as I said, they're brilliant lawyers. They're really good people. Um, this is a firm where they all really like each other. So it's really nice to see. But just telling people, hey, get out there and develop business, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. They felt weird about it. It didn't necessarily align with their personalities. They were all looking to the major rainmaker. Well, I guess I should do it the way he does it. It wasn't working. And so after trying that for about a year, one of those partners came to me and said, hey, can you help us do this? And so through training and through coaching and through a series of you know experiments and kind of learning more about themselves and changing the conversation inside the firm, they have been able to dramatically change what it looks like. Not everyone in the firm is developing business, right? There were some people who we started out with and they said, you know, this isn't for me or I, I'm already billing and this is totally true, 3,000 hours a year. Um, I just can't do more. And so they made some decisions about who was really going to jump into this and do it. And I, I have people that quite frankly sat down across the table from me and looked at me and said, I am not doing this. I cannot do this. You don't understand this isn't for me, or I'm an introvert, or I'm too old, or whatever it was. And some of those people are knocking it out of the park, right? And they're knocking it out of the park because they were willing to realize that they could grow and they could learn. So the opportunity is there, right? But you just have to give it to people. I think, I think that's a great example. So you're also kind of saying it's a little bit of a two-way street. Like, you know, leadership has to put them, give them the resources and the means of doing it, but they also have to be willing and, you know, see the value in developing themselves as well. Exactly. There are some people who simply aren't going to sign on. And, you know, if as a law firm leader, you're able to uh, let people know that, look, this is a growth environment, right? So you guys may be aware of um, a book called Mindset, the Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck. And what Carol Dweck talks about is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. So some people, as I started to say earlier, take a, a fixed mindset approach to business development, which is that either you're born with the ability to do this or you're not, right? And so what that means for everybody else is, well, don't bother trying, right? Because you're never going to be able to figure it out. However, if you have a growth mindset, there are many, many people who are going to get on board and say, wow, you know, this is something that I can change. You're not labeling me. You're not, you know, putting roadblocks in my way. You're not kind of squelching my potential. And um, so I think that it's really important for a firm to be able to set up that kind of environment for people and then understand that you want to hire and perhaps promote people who lock onto that culture and they're willing to go with it. Again, that doesn't mean that every single person who's not willing to sign on has to be kicked out the door. That's not, you know, there are some people that 
uh, are very happy to keep doing a particular kind of work and you need them, right? They, they, it may be that somebody in particular is much better suited to be doing the work and cranking out the hours and serving the people who are out there bringing in the business. So I'm not suggesting to you know throw the baby out with the bathwater, but what I am suggesting is that you give them the opportunity and then you have to see who signs on for it and make that available to them. You will find that some people are going to be a good fit for you and some aren't. And I think you guys would say the same thing about marketing, right? Like if you're doing your marketing the right way, and you guys know a lot more about this than I do, but if you're doing your marketing the right way, you're going to attract the people that you're meant to serve. And you're actually going to repel the people, not in any icky sort of way, but you're going to repel the people that really aren't a good fit for you because they're not going to, they're just not going to get it and they're not going to align with what you're trying to do. And I would say the same thing for people in your firm. If you decide that you want a business development culture or a diverse and inclusive culture or a culture where, you know, leaders are made and not born and you're going to grow your people, you're going to attract people over time that want the same thing. And so it becomes like a cycle where just by deciding which exit you're going to get off at, right, you're kind of in a circle and you decide, I'm going to get off at the exit where I'm going to grow my people. And if people don't want to grow and they don't want to participate, this might not be the right place for them. And so over time, you fulfill your own desire to have a thriving, growing, breathing, living law firm. And we definitely want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit more about Lawyers Make It Rain. I know that when I like your website, very interesting. It's one of your core services. So can you share um, a little bit about that with your listeners? Sure. Thanks for asking, Chase. Yeah. So what I've learned over the years is that it's not enough, as I said before, to just tell people, hey, get out there and develop business or to just give them tools and suggest tactics for them, right? They need a strategy. So tools and tactics would be, you know, post on LinkedIn, write articles, do webinars, um, and those are all really, really important. But I think it's critical to start with a strategy. You know, who are we trying to reach? What kind of work do we do for them? Who's the ideal client for us? How do we want to reach those people? And what do we want them to know about us, right? I mean, the, the idea behind business development is actually pretty simple. Like, do great work, um, understand what a subset of people or businesses need from you, and then let people know why you're the best choice for them or not the best choice for them. The, the reality is more complicated than that. And so I think that a combination, as I said, what I've learned is that a combination of training and follow-up coaching works really well, right? So if, if I go into a room and I train people, I get what I call the head bob. So people are nodding, right? Because they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's a good idea. I should definitely do that. And they, they like it and they, they mean it and they have every intention of doing it. And then because of you know, the force of habit and human nature, and because of all the, the work that you've got on your desk, people go back to their desks and they kind of do the same thing they've always done. Um, and so that's why I think that follow-up coaching, whether it's individual coaching or group coaching, you know, depending on your needs and your budget and your culture, is really important to help people kind of stay the course, right? To give them the opportunity to conduct little experiments, try things out, see what works for them, see what doesn't work for them, and come back and talk to a coach or talk with a coach to their colleagues to see what's working, what isn't working so that they can learn how to develop business their own way. And so Lawyers Making Rain is a program that I developed to bring into law firms that combines that hands-on training so that people understand, you know, what is business development? What isn't business development? Um, you know, what are some good things I can 
do, not, not things I shouldn't be doing. Is this a one size fits all approach? Do I have to be taking people out to baseball games and talking to them on the golf course? Or can I find a way that makes sense for me? And so once we do that, and then we follow up with people so they can then take action on what they've learned and implement what they've learned, um, I find that we get some really good results. And I think also it does contribute to the culture, right? Because you've got a lot of people in the firm. It could be you know, depending on who you've decided is going to be involved in the program, it could be all the partners, it could be all the partners and the associates, it could be a certain practice group, but people get excited about it because now they feel like they've got an understanding of what this can look like for them and they, under, they have the tools and the support in order to be able to implement. And, and so that's what we do with the Lawyers Making Rain program. I'd also add that, you know, we customize it for the firm because, you know, that's the other thing. As I said, you know, there's no one size fits all approach when it comes to a particular person uh, or, or particular people. And there's no one size fits all approach when it comes to a particular law firm, right? You may, if you're in an urban area where, you know, lawyers are, you know, five deep at the bar when you go out for drinks, you may be doing things very differently than if you're in an area where, you know, you could, you know, you could yell into the distance and, and not have a lawyer answer you for, you know, 10 miles. So it's, you know, are you, are you small? Are you large? You know, do you have three humongous clients? Uh, do you have a ton of small clients? Are you B2B, B2C, right? There are different ways of looking at it. And so I think it's not enough to, I think it's worthwhile to read articles and things like that on the internet and try things out. But I think it's important to remember that you get to do it in a way that makes sense for your people and for your practice. And I think that's an important way to, to leave it because, you know, these are all, like core principles that we, we all like believe the value and uh, they should be done, but they all may look a little bit differently, you know, based off the, the practice. And, um, and then we even, we were talking about like sole practitioners too, and we didn't really elaborate on that, but you know, in that case, they invest a lot in themselves as, as you mentioned too. If you don't really have a team to invest in, then at that point it's, it's yourself. Right. I think that that's what happens too, is that when you're on your own, I mean, this is a big job, right? It's like you're wearing 87 hats. You know, I, I run the practice. I lead the practice. I work in the practice. I, I, you know, I do the billing, I take out the trash. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, solo practitioners, unfortunately, put so much pressure on themselves to do everything. You know, what I'd love to suggest is, you know, find someone to take some of the stuff off your plate that you really don't need to be doing and that you shouldn't be doing and take a little time to invest in yourself. Like make a decision, for example, and, uh, you know, I can make this just a quick suggestion, but, you know, take a half hour a week or two half hours a week where you focus entirely on yourself and your skills. And I'm not talking about your technical legal skills. Like you've got to do that anyway, right? Everybody knows that the law changes and, and you know, the ways we do things change. So you've got to be upgrading your legal skills. I'm talking about other kinds of skills, right? So it could be strategic planning skills. It could be, it could be business development skills. Anything that is going to help you grow as a lawyer, make sure you put it on your calendar and you treat it as you would a client appointment. And don't just let it fall by the wayside because it doesn't seem urgent right now. It's important. Uh, and sometimes we do things that are urgent in the moment, even when they're not really important in the long term, because things are ringing, pinging, and dinging. So you feel like you've got to respond to all of those things. And we forget about the things that over time are really important. And business development, of course, is one of those. And if uh, anyone wants to contact you to learn more about what you do and if you can help their law firm or themselves... I'd love to hear from people. Thanks for asking. Um, as you can tell, I'm kind of a big nerd about this stuff. So you can reach me on my website, which is thelawyersedge.com. You can also reach out to me at Elise at thelawyersedge.com. It's E-L-I-S as in Sam E at thelawyersedge.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, Elise Holtzman. 
Thanks for listening to the Legal Mastermind Podcast. If you're interested in working with Ryan and Chase, please email mastermind at marketmymarket.com. Make sure to join the free mastermind group for growing and managing your firm at lawfirmmastermind.com. Ryan Klein and Chase Williams are the managing partners at Market My Market, one of the top legal marketing companies in the United States.